0: This week on Thinking Biblically, we're going to see how the Bible, with the help of the game of baseball, helps us to overcome failure. And by the way, this is not just for baseball fans. Welcome to Thinking Biblically, my name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Uh, last week, I did a, a message on that I called "Stand Up and Speak Out," where I explored how the Bible encourages us to do just that—that that we have the responsibility, each one of us as individuals, to discern what's going on in the world and to take a stand for God's word, God's ways, uh, for the benefit of everyone. You know, we don't we don't um, share what God says in His Word share the truth about Yeshua being the Messiah uh, just to satisfy ourselves or because it's simply the right thing to do or the have to thing to do. We, we do it because um, God has shown us that His Word is that which we all need for our benefit. The Bible reflects uh, the, the reality of life. Through it we understand how we human beings have been designed and what we're really for Uh, but one of the things that gets in the way of us being the people that god wants to wants us to be and and from doing the things that god wants us to do is failure Uh, Many of us have a hard time with failing. Many of us are scared to fail. Many of us have failed in in big ways, small ways. And and unless we learn how to overcome failure, we're not going to be able to stand up and speak out in the way that God calls us to. Well, many years ago, um, I did a a sermon uh, that was based on a baseball theme. And as I said in the intro, this is not just for baseball fans. So uh, please uh, stay with us here. Uh, but I was due to um, give uh, the weekly message at the fellowship that we were attending, uh, and uh, this idea came to mind, and it ended be- becoming a bigger idea to the point that um, I've been working on over the past couple of decades, and when I say worked on, but Most of the time I haven't been working on it, but I think about it a lot and it's possible that it's it's time to get back to it Uh, And and what that is is I eventually have Created a draft of a book that uses baseball as an object lesson for life and uh, Again, this is not just for baseball fans You're gonna be able to follow this as I share with you the original message that kind of spawned this on uh, so many years ago and so uh, I was due to give a message at the fellowship that we we're going to. At that time, um, I, I was in the midst of the years that I worked in high tech. At that point, I was uh, mainly working as a web designer and web hoster. I had my own little company. Uh, we were living in the Vancouver area at the time. I had a little office over this Dairy Queen uh, in uh, this part of Vancouver called Port Coquitlam. And um, I it was... Still early days of the internet and internet radio and there is this site that that played these these uh, Had these different quote-unquote stations and one of them uh, I was a kind of a station, but actually they're playing one of these CDs You may have heard of the Wow CDs. Well, this is the very first Wow CD 19 uh, I was called Wow 96 kind of a, a best of, of of contemporary Christian music and and um, I have, a, I have trouble hearing words and songs because the music gets in the way. I've been like that my whole life. Um, I have to concentrate very carefully. And even then, I, I have trouble making out the words. I often have to read them to get them. And every now and then, this baseball-themed song would come up. And my, you know, when that would happen, i would just think, very cute. And I would just continue what I was doing. And I wasn't really following it. And then uh, one day, part of the song really hit me and um i actually started to cry it, it was so powerful and i thought wow and i'm, I'm going to play the song for you know in, in a moment uh but uh it was the bridge of the song and uh i'll i'll recite it for you here it, the, so that in the middle of the song it says we are not the first to play this game or stand over this plate we are surrounded by their legacy i see them sitting in the stands i see them waving their hands saying go go all the way and you might be familiar with what that reference is. It's from the book of Hebrews, where it talks about the great crowd of witnesses that are cheering us on. And these are the people that, have, that gave their lives, that died for their faith in, in biblical times, and how they should be an example to encourage us to take the needed stand that we need to take, and not cave when when pressure comes upon us and that's a message we certainly need to hear and so it really i saw that image uh in a way that i'd never seen before but through the song and as i said it it really got me emotionally and it that drew my attention to the song and i ended up not focusing on that aspect though that deserves uh some attention of course Uh, but there's another aspect of the song that i ended up basing the sermon on and so um, i'm going to explain that after we watch this lyric video or listen to it if you're if you're uh, listening to the audio version
1: Gotta keep my eye on the ball Swing straight and true and follow through Don't be afraid, whatever the call Because we're never alone Our coach is there to cheer us on well, it's the wind up, here comes that ball You gotta free and swing Watch it till it's going, going I didn't join this team, sit on the bench I'm going deep, swinging for the fence I got some friends on base, I gotta get home Gotta keep your eyes
0: So I loved baseball since I was a kid. Uh, I played a little bit. I was never very good. I uh, grew up in Montreal, and, and uh, in 1969, Canada got its first major league baseball team, the Montreal Expos. They don't exist anymore. I know they moved down to Washington, became the Nationals, but that doesn't really count. Um, talk to any Expos fan. Anyway, uh, so I, I, I loved baseball as a kid, and I watched it on TV and, and all the rest of it. And um, I always thought of it was an interesting game, but it was. it was years later. We had moved moved across the country back and forth. We were living in Montreal in the late 80s at this time. And um, often I would be doing the dishes and I'd have the the baseball game on the radio while I was doing the dishes. And in those years, um, from time to time, the color commentator uh, was this, uh, his name was Bobby Winkles. And Bobby Winkles had been a, a pitching coach for the Expos. And so uh, in years before and he was able to give the listener insights into what was really going on in the game and like being taken behind the curtain of baseball and i already liked baseball but also it took on this other level and i began began to see the intricacies of the game and so this particular in- intricacy is something i think i already knew and it was that home run hitters tend to be strikeout leaders The people who in baseball do the most extraordinary, exciting, heroic feat in the game, the ones that do it really well, are also the ones that are prone to the most embarrassing, humiliating defeats, failures. Um, As you probably know, one of the ways you go out in baseball is by getting three strikes. And because home run hitters uh, do a lot of power hitting, when they go out, they often go out with a third swinging strike. And there they are in front of thousands of people, maybe millions watching um, on television, and they're displaying their great failure before before everyone to see. And so if they, as successful home run hitters, if they don't learn to deal with failure, then they cannot and will not actually be able to do that which they've been called to do. Now, not everyone is a home run hitter. Uh, Some people hit few home runs, some great baseball players never hit any. Uh, But there's a select few that excel in that, which it tends to show, and and it's kind of interesting. So um, as I've been working on my book project uh, and touching it from t- time to time, um, there's a point at which I, th- I thought, oh, I wonder if this is actually true. Somehow I heard this, that, it, that home run hitters are strikeout leaders. And uh, so somehow I actually found this guy who was an accountant who was uh, a, like a baseball statistician expert. And I asked him the question, it was true. And he sent me tables of data that showed, and he, he explained it to me. And he said, there are some anom- anomalies. There are some home run hitters that are not strikeout leaders, but they still tend to, tend to strike out a lot. Uh, but it is true, home run hitters tend to be strikeout leaders. And so, as I said, if, if they don't learn to deal with failure, they're not gonna be able To succeed at the very thing that they themselves excel at. And so I really wonder how many of us don't even attempt to do the things that we're called to do because either out of just fear of failure or because we failed in the past and still fear of failure, I guess, right? Because something happened in the past where we struck out, so to speak, and we decided we're not going to try again. I really wonder how many people, you might be relatively young or relatively old, that you already carry, you carry in your heart, you carry in your heart a vow of, I'll never do that again. I wonder how many children stepped out to do something that they felt super drawn to do, and that might have actually been a seed of their calling in life. And it could be artistic. It could be something else. But they attempted this thing and they failed royally, embarrassingly. Maybe their friends, maybe adults laughed because they flubbed, they failed, they struck out or whatever it was. And even though their heart was so drawn to do whatever it was, they made a vow. I will never do that again. And my heart breaks at the thought that there's all these people walking around that they have calling upon them. They have gifts and talents given to them by God. And yet they've completely shut down even trying because they struck out And of course, this may not just happen as as a a little child. This can happen later on. And many of us, as we develop in life, we get new ideas and new passions and and this sort of thing. And then we we get an opportunity. We set out to do something and a big fail. Or maybe we had an early success and then a big fail. Well, whatever it was that drew us to, to believing that I need to go do that thing, whatever it is, and then we land on our face, whether literally or metaphorically, and we make that vow, I will never do that again, even though it might be the very thing that we are called to do. There are home run hitters in the Bible. I'm going to share two of them, two of the big ones. Um, the first one is Elijah. Elijah the prophet in First uh, Kings uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read this passage. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna read some scripture when we get to the next uh, next home run hitter, uh, but you can look look it up for yourself. And so you can see in 1 Kings uh, chapter eighteen, Elijah confronts the prophets of the false god Baal or Baal in Hebrew. Originally or previously, Elijah confronted the king Ahab or Achav in Hebrew. Elijah's Eliyahu, by the way. So Eliyahu confronts Ahav and uh and says that there would not be any rain except by his word, by Elijah's word. And then he takes off and he and he, he basically runs away for three years until this next confrontation. Well, already, you know, to go to the, the person in the position of power and make such a, a prediction, that's 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 home red hitting right there. And so according to Elijah's challenge, they meet at the top of Mount Carmel, and uh, they were each to set up a sacrifice and call upon their god, and whichever god would answer and consume the sacrifice, the challenge was, that is the true god. And so the prophets of Baal go first, and uh, they They call out to 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 bail for hours and hours and hours and nothing happens and so then elijah sets up the altar of the lord that had been broken down and does similar he actually douses it all with with uh, with water which is quite something especially in that time of drought and uh, also soaking everything he's going to call fire down from heaven and uh, he calls out to god God answers, cons- completely devastates the, the sacrifice, the altar. It even says the, the water and the dust. It says, um, and then there's a, a slaughter of the of the prophets of Baal. So huge home run, huge home run. And then what happens is the king's evil wife, Queen Jezebel, hearing of what happens, threatens Elijah's life. And what does Elijah do? He runs away. He not only runs away, he he cries out to God, saying that he wants to die. Strikes out, typical home run hitter, from the pinnacle to the to the being down, literally down in the dumps. Um, typical home run hitter until God speaks to him, kind of dusts him off. And it was after many days, and uh, and then gets him back going, uh, back into the role that God had called him to. So let's look at the next one, Peter. Uh, most of you are very familiar with him, I'm sure, and how he's just—he's just an all-in kind of guy all the time. And so, let's look at this uh, home run that he hits in uh, Matthew chapter 16, and I'm starting at verse 13. Now, when Yeshua came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets." He said to him, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Yeshua answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, that God himself has revealed this to him. Verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a home run. And so just a couple of verses later, we read verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, that's Yeshua, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So he goes from speaking the words of God to speaking the words of Satan. Strike out. And that's what it's like for the people that swing for the fences, the people that are called uh, to attempt the greatest things are the same ones who are prone to the greatest failures. Now, not everyone is a home run hitter. Uh, And... uh, not everyone is called to make huge differences in the world. Sometimes you might get that imp- that kind of impression uh, that that's for everyone. Uh, interestingly, in baseball, uh, another interesting statistic is that home run hitting teams—so teams that, as a team, they excel in home runs—so more than other teams through a baseball season—they don't tend to win championships. So that- so they're not actually winning as many games as maybe they could. It's actually so important to have the, the singles and the doubles and the triples and get people on base and then the home run hitter comes up and and brings those, those runners home. That's you know, baseball is best played strategically. won't, won't go down all the, the baseball intricacies um, at this point. Uh, but you know, just like, uh, home uh, home run hitting teams don't win championships we need as part of being on God's team for each person to do the thing that god has called them to do however big however small you know i think of somebody like Barnabas in the New testament you have paul um he, he's i don't know whether to call him a home run hitter i think he's more some some more like a, a pitcher somebody who really controls the game in in, in baseball not the pulse control, but you know, that he really, he's a stage setter. He's moving the whole thing forward. I don't want to get distracted on on too many baseball illustrations. I just want you to get the point. There's all sorts of different things for pe- different people to do. Uh, and uh, and so there's somebody like Barnabas who supports Paul and supports other people, and he actually fades out of the story after playing somewhat of a prominent role. And he's he's this more assistant kind of person, and and he's not the the he wasn't called to be the super upfront uh, person. He was to help other people do that. That might be you. Uh, and so one of one of the the problems that we have is the way we compare ourselves to other people. Uh, that uh, and that could really get in the way because maybe you look at people. Let me put this: the reason why you're not being all that God wants you to be is you're looking at the superstars, you're looking at home run hitters, and you're saying to yourself, "Well, if I can't do what they're doing, then I'm not going to do anything." And then maybe you try to be like them, and you didn't fail because you were a home run hitter who struck out. You failed because you're not a home run hitter, and you need to find the thing that you're called to do. Um, Another thing that gets in the way of of being whatever God's called us to be, being home run hitters in particular, is perfectionism. Um, So a, a good perfectionist is the person who strives for the best and endures the pain of failing because failure is going to be a part of success. And somehow the successful ones have learned to endure that. And it doesn't, when 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 somebody does a big fail and they are able to get back up again and try again, that doesn't mean that they didn't feel the pain of that failing. Sometimes we look at people who succeed in life and the way they deal with, with some of their challenges and we think, oh, it must be really easy-peasy for them. No, not necessarily. I've heard stories of, you know, of great speakers and great athletes who have dealt with major anxiety. But, but some of us, the presence of the anxiety, we think, disqualifies us. Oh, because my, my tummy is rumbly-tumbly before having to do a certain thing, then I, I must not be made for that. no what what does one have to do with the other going back to paul paul talked about speaking to these people with fear and trembling what do you think he meant was it he meant he was scared (laughs) and he might have been shaking literally shaking, standing in front of these people like we we think of these successful people and and i know so myself you know i i deal i deal with anxiety and, and i struggle emotionally but when I get up in front of people, I'm not too sure how I'm coming across to you in a video like this. But um, when I get in front of people, people perceive that I'm really comfortable and I don't seem to be nervous. Well, that's because I've learned to control it, and that all my life I've been doing this. And it's it's not an it's it's not a is it an act? Well, in a sense, we're always kind of acting, right? We 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 put something forward for a particular purpose, but um, by my feeling. Um, anxious in front of a crowd and feeling nervous, especially beforehand, whatever that is. And that's just, I think it's just adrenaline. We're just, we're just, you know, there's this excitement brewing. and th- th- None of that is bad. And to get up there and to do it well, well, and if I'm doing it and I'm showing my anxiety or you, or, or not, what difference does it make? We're, we need to be doing the things that we're called to do however we feel about it. Now, if our anxiety, uh, some of these things are hurting other people in, as we're seeking to do the things that we're called to do, often we'll justify um, our, our abuse of other people, hurting other people in the name of, well, I'm hitting home runs so I can, You know, some of the great home run hitters would also, when they would fail, they would go into the dugout and smash everything up. Like that's not good. And that needs to be dealt with. That's a personal type of failure that needs to be addressed. But the fact that they feel bad in and of itself, that's just feeling bad. And successful people learn to get over it and to not allow that to snowball and and begin to use it to attack ourselves and attack other people. Um, Now, okay, so the, the best kind of perfectionist is the person that's able to endure the pain of a failure and and just get on with it um but some people uh they're so focused and this, this is like a home run hitter kind of person they're they're able to see the the bigness of what they're being called to do the great even the greatness of what they're called to do um, and because they can never do it to the level that they think they should do it they never really do it so they start so many things and never finish them Maybe have to, about my baseball book, maybe that's a problem I'm having. I'll have to give that some thought. Um, and then a lot of people, it's just, the, the prospect of failure is just so scary, they won't even try. And so, we we need, the main thing that we need to do is hear what God is calling us to do. And then deal with the things that are getting in the way, including the fear of failure and the possibility of breaking those vows of, I'll never try that again. Um, Now, one of the things that might be giving some people a problem is is there's a a couple of assumptions that we might have about things that we should be attempting that may not be helpful. Um, Some people believe that if, opportunity is presented to to us, then we call that an open door, an opportunity from God that we're supposed to pursue. I don't see that in Scripture. I think God does open doors for us. Uh, But that doesn't mean just because an opportunity is available, that therefore we now have the responsibility to do it. We need to take those things to God and ask Him, is this open door from you, there's also if if something is on our hearts to do, um, if we really feel uh, highly desirous to do something, have a passion for something, uh, even obsessed with with something, that somehow that's an indication from God that that's for us to do. And I think that's more Hollywood than Bible. Uh, there's an interaction in the movie Sister Act two that always comes to mind. Uh, where there's this girl and her mom doesn't want her to sing because she thinks that's a waste of time but she's a great singer and and whoopi goldberg is the leader of this this high school choir and um and you know there's so many of of these uh these kinds of movies where you know the parents are always the parents are always out of it and they don't know what's going on and they they want to rob their kids of their futures and I don't know how, I, I believe that must happen, but I, I think most parents will want their kids to wonderfully succeed. But anyway, um, and has, has she ever heard her daughter sing, but never mind. But what the advice that Ubi Goldberg gives the girl is if you, something like, if you wake up in the morning and all you could do is think about singing, you're a singer. And No, it doesn't work like that. God does give, Talents and gifts to people and he does expect us to use them and How we're supposed to use them and when we're supposed to use them that we have to work out with him with uh, people close to us uh, Through trial and error Um, You know if we strike out, what does that mean if we're striking out all the time? Maybe we're not called to play baseball if we're striking all the time, but we're called to play baseball then maybe we need to adjust our, our swing According to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30, we see there we must use what God has given us. Again, we got to be careful because how we use our talents for the Lord in the parable, they're literal talents of silver, but they seem to stand metaphorically for the talents. It seems that's where the English word talent as ability comes from. It's from that parable that god has given us things he's entrusted us with abilities and we need to use those abilities how we use them how we go about it we need to be careful not to quickly assume we need to seek god as to how to do that Uh, but we see that in that parable it's very seriously there's three people each are given a number of talents according to their ability so the master in the parable uh understands the abilities of these three people, gives and trusts to them the talents accordingly, and then expects to see a return on his investment. And the first two double the the investment and they're rewarded for that. The third one thinks they're doing a good thing by hiding it away so as not to lose it. And that's this passage, that parable is actually one of the hell passages in the Gospels where this This person who's entrusted by something by the master and hides it away simply for safekeeping, which sounds like a good thing. Many of us, that would be excellent. Um, But that's not what it was given to him for. He was supposed to go and risk it and even risking losing it. That we need to swing. That in the game of life, we need to swing. We may not all, all be home run hitters, but we need to swing. We need to get up to the plate and we need to face the balls that are being thrown towards us and respond accordingly. And not always supposed to swing, but you, 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 I hope you get it. Now, we're talking about failure. All of us have failed. Some of us are more aware of our our failings than other others of us, but we've all failed from time to time. And for some of us, failing has completely debilitated us. These like these vows that I I referred to. Earlier, I'll never do that again. Well, what do we what do we do uh, with our failings? Now, some failings are, you know, swinging it at, at a baseball missing is not a moral failure, uh, and I'm not here talking about moral failure. With moral failure, we need to deal with that very seriously, confess that to God, make amends where necessary, and the, what a wonderful thing that God forgives us. If He forgives us for moral failing. And I'm not treating that in any way We need to really deal with that stuff get help if you need to but if God has made a way to restore us from moral failure how much more from practical failure with the things that we're, we're called to, to do in life where we attempt something and it doesn't go in the way that we expect um Now, when it comes to some things that God has called us to do, going back to this stand up and speak out, if God's calling us to do that and we're not doing that, I would imagine that's similar to a moral failure. It's pretty serious. I think of a big failure on the part of the people of Israel in the book of Numbers where they are now nearing the border of the promised land and god is preparing them to go in and he sends joshua caleb and 10 others to to scout out the land and bring back a report and the report that comes back is that it's going to be tough but according to joshua and caleb they can do it because god said so and god's been with them and god will be with them but the 10 other scouts said no it's too hard it's terrible and they they negatively impacted the people and they wanted to go back to egypt and so they really really struck out and god said that whole generation is going to have to die out they're going to wander for another 38 years and it will be the next generation that will have the next opportunity to go in well there was a bunch of of people who thought they were being noble and they went "Um, god is right we we were wrong, we should have trusted him, and they decided they're going to go in now. So they had sinned, they had, they had struck out, they had done wrong, and they were willing to accept it, and they now wanted to do the right thing. Except in this case, now the right thing is the wrong thing, because God said, we're not going to do that, you're not going to go into land now, it's going to happen 38 years from now. And yet, so they, they went from not trusting God to great arrogance, taking things into their own hands. And so this is where we need to be careful. When we've realized that we have failed in certain things that God has called us to do, and maybe it was 30 years ago, maybe it was yesterday, let's not assume that the correct response now is to go and do the thing that we should have done, that we failed at. Once we have failed, we need to go back to our coach, go back to the Lord, and ask him, now what do you want me to do? Do I need to make amends? Do I need to try again? Or is that opportunity lost? And I know some people are so fixated On how they understand how God is in control, that they think, well, it's impossible to have an opportunity that's lost because God's so in control. But biblically speaking, like this, like the example I gave from the book of Numbers, that was an opportunity lost. We can lose opportunities. And let's, let's properly grieve when over that when we realize that we had an opportunity and we blew it. We struck out when we should have hit the ball, it's okay to feel bad. And if it's something in, in, in direct relationship to God, we need to confess that to the Lord, own up to, in the ways that, that we've, we've blown it, and then let him speak to us and see what is it that he wants us to do. But when we realize that we've blown it, we must be careful never to think, that we will not get another opportunity again. It may not be an identical opportunity. It may not even be a similar opportunity. But the fact that God entrusts his people who fail with additional opportunities. Going back to Peter, so here he, he speaks the words of God, knocks it out of the park. Then he miserably strikes out by speaking the words of Satan, but he's still on the team. He still has a a part to play in fact a leadership part to play he's going to massively strike out later when he denies the lord three times during his time of arrest and trial and so on and he can't even believe that he himself would do such a thing we don't really know ourselves and and so peter thought he would not do that and yet publicly denied the one who he understands to be Messiah and Lord, he denies him in his, in his time of need. And yet when the Lord earlier predicted that he would do this, he also says to him, and when you are restored, comfort your brothers. This is like, he need I say, Yeshua is the greatest coach of all time because he's able to see the potential of, in Peter, he's able to see his weaknesses, and he's able to properly coach him. You're gonna fail. You don't think you're gonna fail, but you know, get ready even now because of that part you're gonna play. And then there was a process of uh, restoration for Peter, and then eventually, we see him on on the day of uh, Shavuot, Pentecost, and he's giving that first big message, and three thousand people repent and turn to God in the name of Yeshua. And he, so he's up there in public, in, in, front, probably in front of some of the same people where would, would have known that he had denied the Lord. I don't know that for sure, but it's really possible. He's still in Jerusalem. And Mr. Strikeout is again hitting the home run. And so please don't let your strikeouts, your failures get in the way. Remember when I first gave this message all all those years ago uh, in Vancouver, um, one of the people attending the fellowship at at the time asked it to say something. And he comes up and goes to the microphone and he says, when I was a kid, I played baseball and I hit a lot of home runs. And then I got proud and I stopped hitting home runs. I want to hit home runs again. I don't know what your story is, but I think there are a lot of home run hitters out there who are sitting on the bench, or they're sitting on the couch. God is calling you back in the game. If you've really failed big time, deal with it. If you need help, get it. But we need you to get back in the game. If that's you, why don't you write me comments at thinkingbiblically.org Please also remember to subscribe, um, and you could send other questions to me, and and, and so on. Also remember to like and review and share. But I would love to hear from you. Comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Are you a home run hitter? Do you want to be a home run hitter? Are you struggling that you're not a home run hitter? I would love to hear from you. Let's all get in the game, because it certainly is time to stand up and speak out. So until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically.